Frank. I'm one of the pastors. Um, I'm glad to be here with you today, and I'm glad you took time out of your holiday weekend to come and worship with us. And uh, uh, the beginning of a new year to me is kind of weird because um, it's an odd holiday, honestly. I mean, it's it's another month, it's another day, and yet it's a new year. And But there is something very powerful about thinking where you've been, what you've done, and what the potential future holds. And I think that's what today has in it that is so powerful for us as believers. And for those who don't yet know Jesus as Lord, it's, it, it gives you something to pause and think about in a lot of ways. Do you remember where you were a year ago today? Uh, how did you usher in 2022? Now, when the ball dropped, did, were you awake? I mean, were you watching? Spend the evening quietly with a few friends. Uh, do, were you solely asleep when everything? I know I was last night. I was gone. I was out. Um, but we say to each other, Happy New Year. And, and I find that interesting because it kind of implies that we're glad to see the last year go. Or perhaps we're just glad we get to be here one more year or at least today. Someone told me yesterday they'll be glad when the year changes because they can flush 2022 and never think about it again. It's a weird holiday. For some, it brings all kinds of emotions. For others, it's just another new month. But almost everybody today at some point is going to spend time assessing and reflecting. It's natural. It's part of what we do, and I think it's healthy. Despite the ups and downs, joys, sorrows, victories, and defeats, good days and bad days, we're still here today to begin one more new year. One more year to embrace loved ones. One more year to pursue our passions. One more year of new opportunities and challenges. This could be our last year. We don't know. Nothing's promised. This could be the year Jesus comes back. This could be the year he takes us home. All we know is that we have, well, actually only this moment. We don't have a year. We don't know we have a year. That alone should have us thanking Jesus that we're still here. God has given us this moment to come into his house, share our love with him and each other, and praise his name. It's an opportunity to experience another year, perhaps, of peace and joy and love and hope and amazing grace. You see, one more year brings new blessings, brings new opportunities. It brings new hope and a fresh new start, perhaps. But it also brings new responsibilities. Every moment that God leaves us on this planet, it's because our mission for him has not yet been accomplished. We were sit here for a reason, a purpose. We've been given huge, huge blessings that we take for granted every single day. In fact, the last breath that you took is a blessing from God. But Jesus said this, everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they shall demand the much more. You see, as you enter the new year, I want to look at a parable that Jesus told. God seriously blesses his children. If you actually spent today writing down your blessings, it would take you all day long because God would keep reminding you of one after the other, after the other, after the other. Things that we take for granted every single day. 
And it's true that, that we don't have to do anything to receive our salvation. That comes through our faith in Jesus as Lord. But once we're his children, once we enter into his family, once we have the indwelling Holy Spirit, the greatest gift ever, that comes with some responsibility. Jesus said, to whom much is given, much, and that's us, is expected. So what does he expect of us? And the very next thought, after telling us that much is expected, Jesus tells a short parable. Let me read it to you. And he told this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in the vineyard. And he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And said to the vine dresser, Look, for three years now I've come seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And he answered him, Sir, let it this year alone also, until I dig around it and put on manure. And then if it should bear fruit next year, well and good. If not, then you can cut it down. In about 100 words... Jesus tells us a story that has almost immediate application and also foreshadows the future to come. You see, parables do that. There's obviously something obvious that someone on casual inspection could, could understand. But if you sit there long enough and you go deeper, you find that parables have incredible gold deep in them with a single message that God wants us to see. And the more we spend time processing the parable, the more we understand what God wants us to see and learn. The very casual reader looks at this parable and says that God is mean. And he's going to judge and destroy. He's selfish. Someone who desires a look a little bit deeper sees a time of opportunity before the judgment comes. Those who are willing to slow down and really find the gold that Jesus put in these parables always find incredible treasures that can change their life. So Jesus begins this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in a vineyard. We read that, we don't think much about it. Okay. First century Jewish audience would say, what an idiot. What an idiot. This guy's an idiot. Before we know anything else, we know he's an idiot. Fig trees don't get planted in vineyards. Vineyards are the richest soil around. They're made for grapes and wine and olives and all those kind of things. Fig trees, no, they don't. Fig trees will grow on a rock. A little bit of water, they'll grow in the most desolate, deserted places. They grow on hard ground. You find one in the middle of nowhere where there's no water, nothing, just dirt and a fig tree. Fig trees grow. That's what they do. It's actually hard to not grow a fig tree. You have to work to not grow a fig tree. People going through the desert hope for fig trees because if they see leaves, there's fruit on them. Fruit have water in them. That's the good thing. It's as this fig tree is like, if, you were, if the fig tree is blessed beyond belief, it gets to be in the most fertile soil. Imagine what this fig tree is going to actually do. I mean, if you took a fig tree that'll grow on a rock and you put it in the most 
price, uh, most expensive, best soil, that thing should produce figs like have never been seen before. State fair kind of figs. But this special tree, for some reason not known to us, has been planted in the most fertile place in the world. It's not only planted in the most fertile place in the world, it has access to the very best nutrients. In the vineyard, this tree is going to be cared for by a vine dresser. He'll check in on that tree every single day to see if that tree is living and growing and doing the things it needs to do. He'll make sure it has everything that it needs to grow. He'll trim the trees, trim the leaves, dig up the soil, fertilize the ground. This fig tree is blessed beyond belief. Now remember the context of the parable is to whom much is given, much is expected. This fig tree, if ever there is a fig tree in the world that's going to grow and produce incredible fruit, it's this one. In other words, this fig tree had somebody toiling over it who will meet the tree's every single need, protect it from anything that could harm it, and it's in the parables where we look deeper and we begin to see what Jesus is really trying to teach. And as we look at it, we start to see ourselves. And Jesus, that's the point of the parable. The more we look at the fig tree, the more we see ourselves. God has taken us from the wayside lives that we could have grown in the desert. We once lived producing some kind of fruit, not great fruit, some perhaps. He's moved us from hard ground of darkness and disobedience and despair. Once we were in a place of no hope, no peace, no joy, and now he's brought us and planted us in his vineyard. He's given us the best opportunity, the best soil, and he checks in on us every day, and he deals with us every day. We've been placed in the most fertile soil possible. We have the greatest chance to bear fruit for him, the vine dresser. We were once on our own trying to make out a meaningful life on this planet, living in dry places with dry things. But now we're on fertile soil under the careful watch of him who provides everything that we need. We don't have to worry about tomorrow because my God will supply all your needs according to the riches of his glory. We have huge blessings. To whom much is given, much is expected. It's a huge blessing for us to be part of God's vineyard. He tends to us, he prunes us, he provides us with the spiritual nutrients to grow. He protects us from storms, he shelters us in dry times. He has great plans for us. But one day the owner of the vineyard shows up. He made his way past the plants, he goes straight to the fig tree. Think about how excited he must be to see what his three-year experiment has done in the vineyard. It's been three years since we planted this tree. Can you imagine the fruit this tree's going to have on it? It's going to be amazing. Yet we read, he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Let the weight of the disappointment sink for a minute. 
The Greek word here tells us this wasn't a simple search. It was a very careful examination of every part of the tree trying to find a fruit. It wasn't there. Because from a distance, this tree looked like it should have fruit on it. You see, fruit trees, fig trees, grow in a very specific way. This is why I tell you, when you see a parable, and the parable's a metaphor, and it's attached to something, study that something and you'll understand the parable. Okay? Don't breeze through that. So, for instance, I've said before, we've all heard about, as a deer pants for water, so I pant for you, right? I mean, that's, we know that. What we don't know is that if we study deers, we find out there's only one time in their life they pant, and that's when a lion is chasing them. And if you keep digging deeper, you find out that they run to water and stand in the middle of it because the lion can't get to them. That's the image. The more you understand lions and deer, the more you understand the parable or the teaching. Same thing here. The more you understand fig trees, the more you get what Jesus is trying to teach. He's teaching to people who knew everything about fig trees. It was their life. We don't know everything about fig trees. So when we study the Bible, we need to stop and dig and learn. So it turns out that before a fig tree bears its fruit, that the first thing that happens is it begins to grow little bitty fruits, baby fruit, okay? And then it grows these really big leaves that cover the little fruit. That provides shade so that the fruit can there grow without drying out. Okay, so we have little fruit covered by leaves. The leaves are bigger than the fruit, so they cover them up. You can't tell from looking at a fig tree if it's got fruit on it, but if you see leaves, you should find fruit because the leaves come after the fruit has started to grow. You have to lift the leaves to get fruit from the tree. A fig tree full of leaves should have tons of fruit on it. So if you're walking through and you see a fig tree that has no leaves, it has no fruit. You see a fig tree that has leaves, it should be loaded with fruit. This tree looked like it was fruitful, but all they found on it were leaves. Now Jesus has been talking about to whom much is given, much is expected. And I guess in the church today, He's talking about us. You see, I wonder when he lifts the leaves at Remnant, what does he see? What does he find? Many in the church today, and I guess not in the church today, are full of promises, but not really delivering for God. To the ordinary observer, the tree, the church, looks like it's doing all right. They sure look like they got fruit. But on closer examination, we find out that they've been planted in the greatest vineyard and produced nothing. Those who pass by may think the tree is doing really well. But when it's closely examined, it's fruitless. See, a lot of churches have become like this tree, looking good to those who pass by, trying to fool everybody one day a week. We know how to walk right. We know how to smile right, say the right things. We know if we show up enough times, serve once in a while, our tithe check's clear, that everyone will think that all is well with us. 
While deep down we know we're really not growing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, we're just looking like we should. You see, I can preach and pray and do all kinds of things at church and it looks like I'm bearing fruit. But as they say, you can fool some of the people some of the time. All the people, what, you feel, what is it? You can fool some of the people all the time, all the people some of the time, but you can't fool God anytime. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on the appearance or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, God is constantly examining our lives, looking for true fruit. He looks for the fruit of love when we're at home with our families and interacting with other people. He, he, he looks for the fruit of patience with our marriage and with our children and with people who annoy us. He looks for the fruit of kindness when we see other people in need. He looks for the fruit of self-control when temptation is nearby. We're a lot like that fig tree. A lot of showy leaves at churches, but under the leaf, is there fruit there? Too often we go week after week, month after month, new year after new year, doing what we want, giving what God we feel like, giving him what we desire, not what he's asking for. Refusing to obey him, neglecting our time with him. We hardly ever read our Bibles. Seldom have family worship or prayer, and we don't allow God to be the center of our lives. We talk about prioritizing him, but we never actually get around to doing it. To whom much is given, much is expected. So much emotion behind the next verse. And he said to the vine dresser, look, for three years now, I've come seeking fruit on this tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why would it use up the ground? In other words, I've taken this tree. A fig tree grows within six months. It's growing fruit. I've put it in the vineyard. It didn't grow year one. It didn't grow year two. It hasn't grown year three. It's in the most fertile soil ever. Plant something else. This one's not going to work. For three years, the owner representing the father has come to the vine dresser representing Jesus and despite enormous promise and potential, has found no fruit. Three years ago, that would have been 2020. I wonder what our New Year's resolution was in 2020. I know you're counting right now, right? 20, 21, 22. Everybody's saying, wait, it's 23, should it be? Okay. Anyway, I wonder what your New Year's resolution was in 2020. Just three years ago. Did you make any promises to be more spiritual or spend more time with God or bear more fruit for him? I know I did. And he says to cut it down. The Greek word here means render it absolutely useless. You see, the problem with this tree is not only is it fruitless, but it's making the ground around it fruitless. You see, to whom much is given, much is expected. But the problem is we begin sucking spiritual nutrients from other people. 
who think that we're real and we're not. We're just in the garden, given a lot of opportunity, faking it with Jesus and sucking resources out of people who are hoping we have fruit too. It's taking nutrients out of the soil. It's absorbing precious resources and giving back nothing. It's robbing other trees of the opportunity to grow because it's taking nutrients from them. You see, if we're not serious about growing God's fruit, we actually hurt other people who are. It would kill newer and younger trees because they couldn't grow. When fully mature trees waste nutrients, the saplings can't survive. To whom much is given, much is expected. You see, when God transplants us from the dry, barren, solitary existence we once had into a full flesh, full bore vineyard under his watchful care and provides all of our needs, when his spirit assumes command in us, we're supposed to bear fruit. The others who are looking in, they're not looking for leaves. They're looking for God's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness under the leaf. When they get close to you, they're looking at you trying to decide, do you have the fruit of God in you? I often speak of how my life changed when I saw, finally saw the spiritual fruit of peace in somebody I knew. We tell people about the vineyard and they see our fruit, our changed lives, and it brings water to their barren lives. They're supposed to look at remnant and see changed lives and changed homes and changed employers and changed students and changed coworkers and changed friends. But when we live fruitless lives what we're, and we're saying that we're in touch with God, we have our feet planted in fertile soil but we waste what's given to us, they see nothing different about us. You see, one of the cool things about a fig tree is if you're walking through parched lands and you find a fig tree and it's got leaves on it, you have a source of water. You, you can eat the fruit. Imagine being a wanderer in desert dry land and seeing the tree and then discovering there's no fruit on it. That's how people who don't know Jesus come to the church. These people look like they should be full of love and joy and peace and patience. And I so desperately need those things because I'm lost. And they come and they find out that people are fake. That there's no fruit. They have no nourishment there. When they see us acting like everyone else, using the same things others watch, cursing the same way other people curse, ignoring God's commandments in their own lives. They know we don't bear fruit, and it makes our God look powerless. You see, our lack of production reflects on us. It reflects on the people around us. Most importantly, it reflects on the God that put us in the vineyard. By being unfruitful, by being hypocritical, we're hardening the hearts of other people who are trying to find God. Wow, this, this has really been a bummer sermon so far, hasn't it? <laughs> Welcome to New Year's. Woo, party. But the next verse brings hope. And he answered, sir, let it alone this year until I dig around and put on some manure. Yeah, many of us have not spent last year perhaps doing what God wanted us to do, but we're given another year now. 
The fig tree has failed to produce fruit. The appropriate solution is to cut it down and start over with another tree. No one would argue that this fig tree that fails to produce fruit in three years is probably worthless and won't grow in the fourth year. Yet even though that assessment is correct, the vine dresser steps up to save the tree. Vine dresser Jesus responds, don't look at the last three years. Don't look at all the failures. Don't look at all the fake. Don't consider the past. Look at the future. Look at the potential. I say it all the time. We serve a God of potential. Give it one more year. You see, one more year. I'm glad that God is willing to look beyond my past mistakes. Those times when I prioritized me instead of him. Those times when I sat in the blessing of his vineyard and tried to use him to grow the fruit that I wanted to grow. Looking back over 220 to 223, you may not have been all that God wanted you to be. And I know for me, I've wasted a lot of blessings and stolen a lot of nutrients. But the vine dresser hasn't given up on me. He hasn't given up on you either. In fact, he promises to pay special attention. And he may be making you that promise right now about the year that we're entering. You see, the world gives up on losers, but not God. When we mess up, he comes down and works with us. He labors with us. He cries with us in our brokenness. He makes his way among rejects and prostitutes and pimps and tax collectors and thieves. God is always, always, always tended to and paid attention to fruitless trees. Look at the promise Jesus gives here. I will get my hands dirty. I'll dig around in the life of this tree. I'll dig down to the root of this problem. I'll do the work. The tree just sits there. I'll take care of this. No, it's not easy work. No, it's not going to be pretty. Yes, it involves a lot of crap. It'll probably smell a lot. But this tree is worth saving, no matter how ugly it gets. Jesus came off his throne to get dirty for us. He was very much at home in the dirty manger where he was born. He came down from glory. He took off the pure spotless robe of his divinity and he put on the stained garment of humanity. He came to earth to dig around in our lives, to move us to the vineyard, to provide all we need, to care for us, to tend us, so that we'd bear his fruit. Did you know that back then the vine dresser's only income came from the harvest? A tree that doesn't produce fruit threatens his livelihood. He said, give this tree another year. He is linking his salary, his future, his livelihood with the fruitfulness of this tree. I believe in this tree. I'm invested in this tree. I'm going to do the work to make this tree fruitful. He could have just cut down the tree, planted another one, and in six months start getting money. After all, everything about this tree so far has just shouted failure. God could have destroyed man and started over too. He didn't. Even good people were bad. Noah was a drunkard. Abraham a liar, Jacob was a deceiver, 
David was an adulterer and murderer. Samson was a fornicator. Peter was a deserter. We talked this last Wednesday about Rahab, who's a prostitute lying Canaanite. See, the Bible's full of messed up people who wasted their opportunity to grow fruit. It's about people who struggled producing fruit for God. That's the story of the Bible. But let's look closer to home. When you look at our individual histories, nothing but unfruitfulness, nothing but failures, broken lives, broken homes, broken marriages, broken promises, liars, adulterers, deceivers, gossipers, God could have given up on us so long ago. But Jesus came down to earth, and he linked his future with our future. He made himself one of us. He pitched his tent right alongside ours. He took a risk on humanity. He took a risk on you. He took a big risk on me. He looked at our lives. He looked at 2022, and he said, let's give them one more year. I'll I'll pay the price. One more year. My hands will be dirty this year. I'll send them more sermons about love and grace and peace. I'll remind them of how I found them. I rescued them. I replanted them. I redeemed them. And now I'm going to restore them because to whom much is given, much is expected, Jesus says. One more year. Let me dig around the roots of their lives. Let me dig up the actual problem that's keeping them from growing. Let me pull some weeds out. Let me spread out my nutrients. I'll pour my word on their roots. I'll heal the evidence of their past. I'll spend time with them one-on-one. I will tend to them. And then when the owner returns, then come back and look for fruit. Then if you should bear fruit next year, well and good. But if not, then you can cut it down. You see, we don't like the way this verse ends. We prefer to think about God's mercy that he'll always be patient with us, that we'll always have a chance to one day finally prioritize him. No, you won't. There's a point where he leaves you stuck in your spiritual growth, still saved but unable to grow. Because God is a God of justice. One day, every one of us is going to call to give an account of the fruit that we have produced in the most incredible vineyard ever. We don't like to think about it, much less talk about it, But it's true. We can't continue to play games with God. Can I just clue you in? They haven't been working. They never work. God hasn't been fooled. He's going to hold us accountable. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he's done in the body, whether good or evil. He's a God of justice. He's going to look at the fruit he expected you to produce. Now, here's the sobering thought. There's nothing that keeps Jesus from producing the fruit in your lives that he wants to produce except you. God often represents his people, the Jewish nation, as a vineyard. The prophet Isaiah gave this warning to them and to us. Isaiah 5.1, let me sing for the beloved my song, love song concerning his vineyard. 
My beloved has a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it, he cleared it out of stones, he planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it, he hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. Talk about the nation of Israel. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed. For righteousness, but behold, an outcry. Here's what God is saying. What more could I possibly do to get you to produce more fruit? I've given you my word to wake you up. I sent you lessons to teach you to get it right. I've sent prophets to warn you. I've written in my word how much I love you. I sent blessings your way so that you would praise me. I allowed hardships so that you will finally look for me. And I sent my son to place to die for you. What else do you want me to do? And yet when I look at my vineyard, I see wild grapes or no grapes at all. Did you notice that this parable never finishes? That's it. We don't know what happened to the tree. God doesn't end it. It's a lot like the year ahead of us. We don't know how it'll end. We don't know what's coming. Did the tree flourish and grow fruit under the care of the vine dresser? Was the owner pleased? Did the vine dresser waste his time and energy? Did the tree get cut down and replaced? What happened? This parable is unfinished. I think we can look back at history, though, and see how this parable unfolded in the first century. There's a deeper meaning here, and I think it's left unfinished because we're still living in the parable. You see, the vineyard represents Israel and God's people who are grafted into the vine. Jesus said that the owner came to the fig tree three years in a row. Why three years and not seven or ten or twelve or one? Why not? Why three? Every word in the parable has a deeper meaning. If you dig a bit, you will see that in the Old Testament, biblical years often fit the context. Often a year represents an era or a determined amount of time, and those time frames are often associated with certain times of Jewish history. There are three major times of Jewish history. The time of the law or the word, the time of the prophets, and then the time of the Messiah. You see, I I believe God sent the word year one. He checked, and there was no fruit. So then he sent the prophets to warn everybody, and he checked, and there's still wild grapes or no fruit. Then he sent Jesus, and there still was no fruit. The immediate understanding is that the nation of Israel failed to grow after three revelations of God to his people. Therefore, judgment was passed. The parable does not mean that divine judgment will terminate the nation as a covenant people, but the parable means that God announced judgment on a generation that had proved itself fruitless. You see, Jesus intercedes for the nation of Israel. Father gives them more time. Give them another year. So what happened? The Lord delayed final judgment until 70 A.D. when the temple was destroyed. During that time, Jesus spent the, or God sent the Spirit 
of God to believers, thousands who produced a lot of fruit. And over those 70 years, they kept saying, the Messiah has come, the Messiah has come. You could see the fruit of these people in the first century. But Jewish people rejected the message and the care of Jesus and were cut off. Jewish people haven't been the same since. As a result, they'll be pruned and another era will be initiated, the era of the Gentiles, when those who do believe are grafted into the vine and put in the vineyard and cared for by the vine dresser. It's during the 70 years after Jesus died that he, he, he makes it clear to Paul and the other apostles, we're entering into another era of opportunity for the Gentiles are going to be grafted into the vineyard of God. So I believe the first and immediate reading of this parable has been completed. The generation that rejected Jesus has been cut down, not the entire Jewish population, just those who rejected him in that generation. They're destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, the temple, the sacrifices, and Jewish life as they knew it was gone. So the parable tells of the end of the Jewish generation that rejected Jesus. But if God planned to destroy all the Jewish people for rejecting their Messiah, he would have destroyed the entire vineyard. The owner doesn't threaten to destroy the whole vineyard, just the unproductive fruit fig tree. For us today, I believe the fig tree represents those who have been pulled into the vineyard who are not normally expected to be there. You see, we're the fig tree that got planted in the vineyard that has no business being there. The owner is giving another era of time, one more year for the people, Jewish and Gentile, to trust Jesus and to grow, produce fruit. They're given everything they need, and at the end of time period, the owner's coming back, and those who are unfruitful will be removed. John 15, 1. I'm the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, and as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides on the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Note the message that John gives to those who follow Jesus. You are clean because of the word. In other words, you've been saved because of your faith in Jesus. You won't be cut off. But every branch that doesn't produce fruit, he'll take away. Those are people who don't believe in Jesus. Every branch that does bear fruit, he'll prune so it can make even more. How do we make sure that we're bearing fruit when the owner returns? Abide in me, he says. So today, perhaps Jesus looks at you and he looks at me and he says, let's give him one more year. So what's that going to look like for you? One more year in the hands of God. All that Jesus wants from his followers is surrender. To love him enough to surrender. To allow him to be in control of everything. To trust him with every situation, every outcome, and every event in your life. He demands to be on top of your priority list. That is where he belongs. What if... What if this was the year that we actually allowed him to be totally sovereign over our lives? What if we made a commitment this day to surrender to him for real? What if we 
knew this day and committed this day to allow him to be Lord of everything about us? What if we decided that 2023, we wouldn't decide anything on our own. We hand every decision to him and the answer is already yes. What if 2023 was the year that changed everything for all of us? What if we truly prioritized our time in the Bible and not our time on social media? What if we truly stayed in the Word of God and turned the TV and computers off? What if we prioritized talking to God instead of gossiping about others? What if we truly prioritized serving others instead of ourselves? What if we spent 2023 allowing Jesus to break our hearts for other people who are in need and stop focusing so much on ourselves? What if we ask Jesus to truly let us see the world the way he sees it? It could get messy. Jesus wants to dig around in your life and he wants to dig around in mine and he wants to remove some weeds and dump in some manure, destroy anything in our lives that keeps us from growing. What if you and I have been following Christ for years Our lives look fruitful, lots of leaves, but when people dig around and look a little deeper, you see, we've been placed in the most fertile soil, given God's richest blessings. We've been growing ourselves, though, instead of him. We've been taking what God gave us, all the blessings, and used them to grow ourselves. Jesus says, to whom much is given, much is expected. What if this was the year you finally decided to stop faking it? Whatever part of your life you've really not surrendered, and you know it, and he knows it. What if this year, 2023, became the year that you actually changed from being a believer to being an obedient disciple? Invite Jesus today to dig around in the roots of your problem. Give him permission to pull out deep weeds, even if it hurts. Allow him to fix the things that not only you've allowed to grow, but you've been nurturing yourself. Weeds that worship you and choke off him. What if you actually gave Jesus the chance to grow the fruit he wants to grow in your life? What if this was the last year? What if Jesus has only one more year for you to change? You and I, we may not even have a year. We may not have beyond the next few moments. What do you need to do when you walk out of this room today to allow him to actually be the Lord of your life that he already is? Starts with one word, Jesus says, abide. John 15 tells us if we want to bear God's fruit, we have to abide in him. In fact, go to the passage this week. He repeats it over 11 times. Abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me, abide in me. It's a simple message and we don't do it. So you've trusted Jesus and he's taken you from your barren life and he's placed you in the most fertile vineyard. He tends to you, he digs around the roots. Sometimes it smells like manure is coming out because it is. But he spends time with you. He takes the manure of your life and uses it to fertilize your future. Think about that for a while. He provides you with what you don't have and can't provide. 
And then he prepares you to be ready for the return of the owner. I don't know a better way to spend 2023. As you grow fruit, he may prune you a bit. It may hurt a little bit. But you'll grow even more. So there's really only one question for you and me as we walk out of this room. Are we going to make time to abide in him? To grow real fruit? Or are we just going to keep taking up space in the vineyard? Looking good until the owner comes back and discovers that there's really no fruit in us at all. Jesus didn't leave his throne and come down to earth and die for us so we could look pretty. He came so we'd bear fruit and let others in barren lands know that there's fertile vineyard available to them through Jesus. Doesn't matter what you've done in 2022 or the year prior. The only question that really remains today is what are you going to do with one more year? In a minute, we're going to share communion. And that's the question I want you to think about. When we share communion, we reflect that Jesus came to earth and he gave up his body and his blood for us so we could be in the vineyard. What are you going to do with one more year? When we do communion, we thank him for the price that was paid. But communion's a momentary thing where we get on our knees and we say, God, thank you for dying on the cross for me. When we walk out of this room, we tell him what we really think of that sacrifice. Do we surrender and abide, or do we pretend like we do and keep doing what we've been doing for ourselves? If the Lord's willing, we're all going to be here one year from now. Hopefully we'll look back on this year and go, man, can you believe what God did? And all we had to do was abide. Let's pray. God, I thank you for new opportunities. I thank you that despite what we've done, you never ever give up on us. We give up on us, but you don't. Thank you, God, that you're a God of potential. You see the fruit that we could produce if we would just get out of the way. So, God, I pray you break hearts this morning. I pray you break down walls and barriers. I pray you allow people to get honest with you during this time of communion and decide how they're going to spend the next year. God, please don't let us walk out of this room the way we walked into it. Allow us to take the truth of your word, the truth of the prophets, our trust in the Messiah, and allow us to be the most fertile fig tree you have ever seen for you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.